nationalism versus globalism, the battle we face in America today. What argument will prevail? We will discuss America's internal struggle from a biblical perspective on this edition of End of the Age. Well, good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries. Thank you so much for joining me on this edition of End of the Age. And yes, there is an internal struggle here in America. Can you feel it? Can you feel the liberals against the conservatives? Can you feel the ungodly against the godly? And that's the way it's going to be as we go through the near future, throughout the end time, Again, we've talked about it before, but there's going to be a separation. People that want to go one way into the arms of the Antichrist and people that want to go one way into the arms of the real Christ. Because at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Just like Moses said when he came down and he saw the golden calf. Who's on the Lord's side? That was the question. And when all is said and done, that's going to be where it all lands. Who's on the Lord's side? Now, when we talk about Bible prophecy and the internal struggle in America, there there is a spiritual battle going on. You see the effects of the physical side. But you're seeing the, the physical effects of a spiritual battle is really what's going on. It's good against evil. It is moving towards a Christian nation or moving into the arms of a one-world governing body. And that's what I want to talk about today is some of the physical effects of a spiritual battle. You say, well, I really don't understand what you're saying, Dave. Satan is the driver behind a world, the world governing body in the earth today. Revelation 13 The dragon, Satan, gave it its seat, power, and great authority, the world government. So efforts to pull us into this one world governing system, it ends up being a spiritual battle. And anybody that you know that is trying to pull us towards this world governing body, they're on that side. You understand what I'm saying? And anybody trying to pull us out of that, not necessarily... Uh, of a 100% Christian individual, but just, just realizing that we don't want to lose our country, number one. Number two, Christians realize it's a spiritual battle, especially those that are educated on Bible prophecy. So, let me explain what I'm talking about, this, this, um, this separation in America. The CS Monitor, they reported that the Supreme Court ruling here, I don't know, like a week or two ago, the Supreme Court ruling was a blow to the Environmental Protection Agency and their fight against climate change. Now, we'll talk about climate change in just a moment, but you understand human-induced global warming, which leads to climate change, 
is an absolute hoax. So in light of that, I was watching this when the Supreme Court made this ruling against the EPA powers uh, here in America, which was a very good thing. What happened? Well, in a, really it was a blow to the fight against climate change here in America. The Supreme Court back on, I think it was June 30, limited how the nation's uh, main anti-air pollution law can be used to reduce carbon dioxide, CO2, emissions from power plants. And what they're trying to do, the EPA was trying to cram their regulations because they believe they're on board with this world-governing propaganda of human-induced global warming, which leads to climate change. So they want to reduce all these carbon emissions so we can be carbon-free by a certain date and... It's all propaganda by the United Nations. It all comes down to wealth redistribution at the end of the day. So, what happened? By a 6-3 to three vote, with conservatives in the majority, the Supreme Court said that the Clean Air Act does not give the Environmental Protection Agency broad authority to regulate greenhouse gas emissions from power plants that contribute to supposed global warming. And President Joe Biden, he's aiming to cut the nation's greenhouse gas emissions in half by the end of the decade and to have an emissions-free power sector by, uh, I think it's 2035. Power plants, they say, account for roughly 30% of carbon dioxide output. And I did take that from the news. Uh, I didn't mistake that from carbon monoxide. They said carbon dioxide, CO2. So Chief Justice John Roberts, he wrote in his opinion for the court that capping carbon dioxide emissions at a level that will force a nationwide transition away from the use of coal, because that's really what the EPA and President Biden and many other people, it's an attack on the coal-fired power plants to generate electricity may be a sensible solution to the crisis of the day, John Roberts said, but a decision of such magnitude and consequence should rest with the Congress itself or an agency acting pursuant to a clear delegation from that representative body. It needs to go with the Congress, a group of elected officials, not the Environmental Protection Agency. They've not been given that power. So the Supreme Court said, no, EPA, you cannot do that. The entire reason behind this move by the EPA is a false narrative. Human-induced global warming, which leads to climate change, is simply not true. But it is the United Nations propaganda to push the nations of the world towards a world-governing body. They want to regulate everything we do, folks. And so, you remember... Let's talk about this human-induced global warming, which leads to climate change, because you hear about it all the time in the news, and they're pushing regulations, trying to shut down coal-fired power plants and many other things. The move towards electric cars and off of gas-powered engines, but it's all from a false narrative. They're trying to push us into a one-world governing body. You remember back uh, with Al Gore in his now-famous global warming documentary, an inconvenient truth. 
he was uh, he produced a graph. He stood up at a a, a big uh, like a a, a um, big screen, and he had a big graph up there, and it was depicting the variations of temperature, and the levels of CO two in the atmosphere over the last, according to him, six hundred and fifty thousand years. Uh, according to these computer-generated models. Well, the thing is, he was off, his graphs were off. And I, uh, we'll, uh, I'm going to get deep into that after we get back from the break, but I want you to understand the false narrative that's being pushed and this internal struggle in America from a prophetic perspective. Satan and the elites of this world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time, understand how you fit in, and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching the future according to Bible prophecy. Go to intime.com slash future or call 800 end time. That's 800-363-8463. Move Mountains with Irvin Baxter. This book by Irvin's grandson provides 30 days of devotion that will enhance your relationship with God and others. Authentic illustrations from early morning devotions at end time will help you find your purpose and eliminate fears. Commit to taking this 30-day journey and experience real life change. Get your book for only $14.99. Call 1-800-363-8463 or go to endtime.com slash move. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online and End of the Age Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the end time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you and we love you. You know, everyone, just before I came in here, my wife, Jana, handed me the brochure for our, the, the Israel tour in the spring of 2023. We've already filled up this September tour that we're going to be going on here in a couple months. We filled that up in uh, just less than two weeks. And we've already have a lot of people signed up to go on tour with us from May 17th to May 28th uh, next spring. So if you'd like to sign up for the tour... It's a great time. We'll go to our Jerusalem Prophecy College. Many other things. We'll see all the sites that have to do with the history, Bible, and prophecy. Uh, It's it's an all-inclusive tour. So if you'd like to go with us, a lot of people have already signed up because they wanted to put in for their vacations early and different things. So May 17th through May 28th next spring. Look forward to seeing many of you there. If you'd like to sign up, call in, talk to my wife, Jana or to Brittany Motes, 
And I look forward to going with you then. And we'll be announcing it a few more times uh, because it's actually filling up very quickly. Kind of shocked, but um, a lot of people want to go to Israel right now. Okay, so uh, Al Gore's Inconvenient Truth. In the original film, he, in, he produced these graphs on a big screen. And in the graphs, he strategically separated the two lines that placed the temperature line, according to him, over these uh, computer-generated models over the last 650 years, the temperature line, this graph, below the CO2 line, which was above it. And that was done in an attempt to really create the delusion that when the amount of CO2 emissions increased, the temperatures automatically began to climb as well. But again, it was very deceiving. Because his obvious conclusion was that, hey, the global warming was being generated by mankind's modern industrial movement coal-fired power plants and automobiles and things like that, human, indu- human beings were letting, uh, putting up so, so much CO2 carbon emissions that it was causing the planet to warm up. We were causing global warming. And however, and which um, human-induced global warming, these in, our industrial development, increased the amount of CO2 emissions in the atmosphere. But as, and as a solution, of course, Al Gore advocated for global laws that would revolutionize our lifestyle. It would place regulations from the world government on us is what's happening. Well, and this is what the EPA was trying to do. They were going along with President Biden's plan to place more regulation on coal-fired power plants and doing away with that and moving on to a total green uh, technology. Well... And um, so he was. T- Al Gore was advocating for global laws that would revolution our lifestyles and redistribute the wealth of the world through these proposed cap and trade legislation and establish a system of global governance that would end national sovereignty before it's all over with. That's what they're trying to do to the United States in all of this. However, if you look at that, um, at his original graphs, experts analyzed the graph by placing the CO2 line directly over the temperature line, and they proved conclusively that the CO2 levels had risen only as a result of the increase in temperature, not the other way around. The temperature went up first, then CO2 levels started to rise. It's the exact opposite narrative that Al Gore was uh, pushing in the video. And a closer look at the graph revealed that the lag time between the temperature rising and CO2 levels changing was at sometimes throughout history almost 800 years. So folks, this one proof alone has destroyed the entire basis for the global warming theory. But you say, Dave, all these scientists agree. Now, who says all the scientists agree? I've, done, I've got a lot of documentation, I've read books, I've did all kinds of things in and, and study of all of this, and there's a lot of scientists that absolutely do not agree. I know they put out, uh, a lot of people have said, well, 97% of the scientists, that's absolutely not true. That's a total false narrative. That, uh, what would Donald Trump say? That's fake news. 
an increased amount of carbon dioxide, CO2, does not result in global warming. Uh, you remember back, I'll give you one more proof. During the, and this is an easily understandable, that's why I keep going back to this one. During the uh, medieval warming period, the Vikings, they sailed in waters that are now frozen. The Vikings took advantage of those ice-free seas to colonize what would have been, um, or what is Greenland and other outlying lands to the far north. It was around 1000 A.D. The climate was sufficiently warm for the north of Newfoundland to support a Viking colony that came to be called Vinland. Because, hey, the fine grapes and the wines that were produced there, and these areas are under ice today. say, well, what does that mean? Well, it provides absolute proof that it was warmer back then than it is now. And you say, well, that the thing is, is that there were no coal-fired power plants back then. There were no SUVs. It was, it was not carbon emissions that caused the temperature to rise. It was warmer back then when they didn't have any of those things. So here's the conclusion. It, global warming was, is not man-made. It wasn't man-made then, back with the Vikings, and it's not man-made now. But that's the narrative that's, your being, that's being driven by most major news sources today. So what's the goal of all of it? Because you've got to look at the win that we had by the Supreme Court with this EPA ruling. It's what it all goes back to. If you understand this, then you know how much of a win we had by the Supreme Court in protecting our coal-fired power plants from the environmental, from President Biden's Environmental Protection Agency. What's the goal of all of this? Driving humanity into a world government? It's the exact world government prophesied in Scripture. But if you look back after World War II, the United Nations was founded as an international organization to main, supposedly to maintain peace and security by developing um, you know, friendly relationships between nations and promoting social progress. And of course, the idea behind the institution, it sounded great until it was discovered that the charter established um, the United Nations was drafted by a communist spy, Alger Hiss. And so that's why you got to go back and understand the history of all of this. With a communistic agenda driving the mechanics of the United Nations, well, it's easy to see how the global elites have been working. They've been able, really, to work from within the United Nations to quietly build a world-governing body. A socialist world government is the goal and promoting belief of global warming is one of the number one vehicles to reach that goal. That's why all of these false narratives, the propaganda, all of this stuff that comes out of the United Nations, it is socialist-leaning because they're, the United Nations is socialist. Antonio Guterres was the president of the Socialist International for several years. He was the world's leading socialist. Now he's the secretary general of the United Nations. So you wonder what's going on. They're trying to turn America into a socialist nation. But the Supreme Court's ruling against the EPA 
on June 30th was a big win for America. It says, no, EPA, you can't just hand down regulations on coal-fired power plants. That kind of decision has to go to Congress, a group of elected officials. So it was a big win for us. Because the Biden administration had been trying to use these agencies as almost a fourth arm of the government. And the Supreme Court said, no, it's not going to happen. One of the core belief systems of socialism is that most conflict in society stems from an ever-broadening gap between the wealthy and the poor. Remember the um, Communist Manifesto? That's what it was all about. Uh, The proletariat and the bourgeoisie. So the contention is that the wealthy are the ruling class and they'll inevitably use their economic power to enforce their will upon the less fortunate, even though... It's the wealthy that supply most of the jobs in America, right? We, got, we need to have the wealthy. There's nothing wrong with wealthy. And so the ultimate socialist solution to this problem is to abolish private property ownership, which is a lot of what they're trying to do with BlackRock and all of them going around buying up all of these uh, neighborhoods. And you, you understand that I just read the other day that Bill Gates is in um, litigation for having bought up so much property up in, I think it's North Dakota or someplace, farmland. He's been buying up, I, I think I read, I think I can document this, but I read the other day, if it's correct, that he was one of the largest farmland owners in, the, in, in America right now, Bill Gates. He's been buying up all kinds of land. So, one of the, one of the major planks of socialism, abolish private property ownership, And for the state to own all principal means of production with the central government redistributing wealth evenly among the masses, the result of that would be a classless, communistic society where a global government would ensure equality for all citizens. Yeah, ensure equality, right. Look at a Venezuela, someplace like that. We'd all be equal, right? All poor, devastated. But it would be impossible to fully realize that dream of a communistic one-world government without the redistribution of wealth from the developed nations to the poor, underdeveloped nations of the world. Now, I'm talking on a global scale now. But it'll trickle right down into the nations if they get a a grip on them. The, The climate change agenda, it's all part of the Sustainable Development Goals, or Agenda 2030, which is socialistic because the plan includes the socialistic principle of wealth redistribution. It actually states that the reduction of inequality will only be possible, and I'm quoting, if wealth is shared and income inequality is addressed. Well, how do they want to do that? They want to redistribute the wealth of the rich down to the poor, or actually it normally ends up in the coffers of the government. So this is the main goal of the global warming climate change hoax. The United Nations elites, they know that a perpetual global life-threatening crisis is necessary to convince wealthy nations to accept the punitive cost of these cap-and-trade taxes. And wealth redistribution is exactly what carbon cap-and-trade laws are designed to accomplish. The government sets a cap on the amount of carbon emissions that an industrialized nation can emit, and if the limit is exceeded, carbon credits can be purchased 
from an underdeveloped nation who have more credits than they need. You say, well, that solves the issue. No, it doesn't. It doesn't solve any issue. All it does is redistribute the wealth. That's why President Trump pulled us out of the Paris Climate Agreement. He realized it was just a huge wealth redistribution scheme. And, of course, President Biden has pushed us back into that. But, again, it's easily proven conclusively that carbon emissions have nothing to do, especially CO2 emissions, have nothing to do with global warming. Global warming fears, this fear-mongering, is simply a scheme put together by global elites to redistribute the wealth of the world and to move us into a world government. Thankfully, the Supreme Court had the courage to say, Environmental Protection Agency, no. You do not have the power to make a decision like this on a coal-fired power plants. That has to come from Congress. That's why it's very important, the vote coming up here, um, November and 2024 and so on. But global warming, that's only one of the messages being used to force the nations of the world into a world government. So anytime you hear um, global governance, propaganda like Agenda 2030, sustainable development, human-induced global warming, which leads to climate change, just think, okay, I know what they're doing. It's world government. But it's global warming, or, or should I say climate change, or whatever they're calling it now, that's presently the poster child being used to frighten everyone unless you're educated. You're educated. You're not frightened by human-induced global warming, which leads to climate change, because it's simply not happening, everybody. The Bible says, as long as the earth remains... There will be spring, summer, winter, and fall, planting and harvesting, heat and cold. So you don't have to worry about human-induced global warming, which leads to climate change. It's not happening. God controls the temperatures of the planet. He always has since he created this big old piece of dirt, and he always will. So don't be frightened by that. What we need to be concerned with is the United Nations trying to use that propaganda to suck us into a world-governing body. And it's used to frighten people into giving up freedom <coughs> in order to save the planet. Now, the, if you, uh, uh, years ago, former governor of the state of Washington, her name was Dixie Lee Ray, probably summed it up best. She said, and I'm quoting, the objective clearly enunciated by the leaders of the United Nations Conference on Environmental and Development is to bring about a change in the present system of independent nations. The future is to be a world government with central planning by the United Nations. She said fear of environmental crisis. She actually said this, whether it's real or not, is expected to lead to compliance. It's what it's all about, everybody. More regulations on America trying to pull us into a world government. Whether it's a global pandemic, threat of war, or floundering economies, end-time events are happening around the world every day. How can you have peace in a world of such great uncertainty? With the End Time Magazine subscription, you can gain a deeper understanding of current events and its prophesied repercussions. End Time Magazine's exclusive content and prophetic insight allows you to understand where we are in the end time. It will give you peace when horrific news and events happen. 
when you subscribe today to End Time Magazine for 12 months for just $19.99. You can have hope for the future because you will understand what the Bible says about the time we are living in. You'll get access to exclusive articles like the Prophesied American-Israeli Alliance, End Time Do's and Don'ts, and Could School Choice Save America? Subscribe for you or a friend right now. Go to endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-END-TIME. The symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ Part 2, the late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding. Don't miss this special offer. Call 1-800-END-TIME to endtime.com. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. Welcome back, everybody. So, it's the compliance to a communistic world-governing body. That's the goal. Global warming, or which leads to climate change, according to them, that's the deception or this life-threatening crisis that the United Nations has chosen to get there, one of them. Thankfully, for those who are paying attention, none of this is surprising, since the Bible prophesies the establishment of a world government just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ and the observing the uh, we're, we're observing the rapid rate at which prophecies are being fulfilled right now and that event can't be very up, far off can it now we're talking about this internal struggle in America right now people trying to pull us into this one world governing body i want to give you another example of this I want you to consider our southern border. Now, you say, well, why are we talking about this today? This is a prophecy program. World government. World government. Prophesied. Revelation 13, 1 through 8. The world government, its leader, the Antichrist. This is exactly what they're trying to do. We've got a president that is a globalist. He believes in a one world government. Our previous president did not believe in a world government. So that's the internal struggle today. There are people in America that are trying to protect us from being pulled into a world governing body, but our current administration is pulling with all their might to pull us into a one world governing body or to implement the edicts of the one world governing body in America. That's that's our internal struggle here. But it's a spiritual battle because Satan is the driver behind the one world governing body, Revelation 13, 1 through 3. Now, let me give you another example of this, of our, um, the, the struggle in America for us getting pulled into this one world governing body or trying to stay out of that. Our open borders on, in the south down here. We live just north of Dallas, Texas. Our end-time television studios are located in Plano. So we're one of the north cities of Dallas. So I am about, I don't know, probably 
nine hours, I think, from the border. I think I can get down to Westlaco in eight or nine hours. And so it's very real here in Texas, New Mexico, Arizona. It's very real down through here. Matter of fact, I think it was today or yesterday that a lot of our southern uh, counties in Texas declared it to be an invasion in, into America. What's going on? Because there's just people pouring across and they're bringing drugs and there's sex trafficking and it's horrible. But let's talk about it. President Trump's withdrawal from a global compact on migration. This is very, very important because I want you to understand the difference between the previous administration and what's going on now. I don't care if you're Republican, Democrat, Independent, or nothing. I want you to understand the difference here and the, the internal struggle. So, you remember back in um, Strobe Talbot. He was president of the Brookings Institute from 2002 to 2017. And he was the former Deputy Secretary of State for the Clinton administration. And he, he wrote in an article, The Birth of a Global Nation, back in Time Magazine, July 20 and 92. And I'm quoting, he said, in the next century, nationhood, as we know it, is going to be obsolete. All states will recognize a single global authority. Of course, he was a globalist as well. And he, so that's the goal of every globalist. Along with the United Nations, the removal of national borders and the creation of a single global community, which answers to a world government. And you, that you, some people are scratching their head going, nah, let me see, why in the world would President Biden not protect our southern border? Well, the United Nations doesn't want us to. So, for this to happen, this pull up into this world governing body, nations need to throw open their borders. And that look at, what, look at what's happened in Europe. They've done away with their borders in the European Union. They've done away with tariffs. And that's the model of world government in the earth today. So that's exactly what the United Nations is pressing for. Consider the United Nations. This is very important because a lot of people don't even know about this. The Global Compact for Migration, the GCM. According to the United Nations' own website, the Global Compact is a significant opportunity to improve the governance on migration. They want, to, they want to manage the migration of people around the earth to address the challenges associated with today's migration and to strengthen the contribution of migrants and the migration to sustainable development. And it all goes back to the socialistic blueprint of the United Nations to govern the world, Agenda 2030. Goal number 10 of the, of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals is to reduce inequality within and among countries. Target 10.7 of that goal is to facilitate orderly, safe, regular, and responsible migration and the mobility of people, including through the implementation of, here it is, planned and well-managed migration policies. So essentially... The United Nations wants to even the, the inequalities among countries through the movement of people around the world in an orderly fashion. 
And this is a necessary step to the implementation of global socialism. It was um, Andrew Arthur that he, he serves as a resident fellow in law and policy for the Center for Immigration Studies. He described the situation like this. He said, were the United States to continue in the global compact on migration and were that compact to push to achieve the sustainable development goals, this country would essentially have to implement an open border policy to even make a dent in the inequality among nations. So, the Global Compact on Migration is used to implement the global management system, the Sustainable Development Goals. And that is why the United States decided, under the Trump administration, because this is going to do a, a, a complete turn with the Biden administration, you'll see that in a moment, but that's why the United States decided to end participation in the UN process to develop a global compact on migration. Once the Trump administration recognized more global governing restrictions on the United States, they simply withdrew from the global compact on migration. Back on, uh, man, December, in December, I think it was 3, 2017, Secretary of State Rex Tillerson at the time he actually stated, he said, negotiations on the, on the GCM, the Global Compact on Migration, will be based on the New York Declaration, a document adopted by the UN in 2016 that commits to strengthening global governance and contains a number of policy goals that are inconsistent with the United States law and policy. While we continue to engage on a, the, the Trump administration at the time, while we continue to engage on a number of fronts at the United Nations, in this case, we simply cannot in good faith support a process that could undermine the sovereign right of the United States to enforce our immigration laws and secure our borders. The United States supports international cooperation on migration issues, but it is the primary responsibility of sovereign states to help ensure that migration is safe, orderly, and legal. In other words, we've got to control our own borders. At that time, the United States ambassador to the United Nations, uh, Nikki Haley, she said, our decisions on immigration policies must always be made by Americans and Americans alone. She said, we, the United States, will decide how best to control our borders and who will be allowed to enter our country. Now, think about what Nikki Haley just said and what's going on on our southern border. So, what happened? Well... On September 25th of 2018, President Trump spoke to the world at the annual UN General Assembly. And he said this, Illegal immigration funds criminal networks, ruthless gangs, and the flow of deadly drugs. Illegal immigration exploits vulnerable populations, hurts hardworking citizens, and has produced a vicious cycle of crime, violence, and poverty. Only by upholding national borders, protecting our own borders, destroying criminal gangs, can we break this cycle and establish a real foundation for prosperity. We recognize the right of every nation in this room to set its own immigration policy in accordance with its national interest, 
just as we ask other countries to respect the United States' right to do the same, which we are doing. You know, he was wanting to build a wall, and he said that is the one reason the United States will not participate in the new global compact on migration. Migration should not be governed by an international body unaccountable to our, the United States' own citizens. Okay, now, well, what happened? Donald Trump, they fought him tooth and toenail. No, you can't build a wall. I'm going to go ahead and build a wall. Anyway, he starts building part of the wall. Then the election happens. In comes the Biden-Harris administration. On December 17th, 2021, they issued a revised national statement of the United States of America on the adoption of the Global Compact for Safe, Orderly, and Regular Migration. Now, I just described to you in great detail what the Global Compact on Migration does. Okay, Remember that as I go through this new statement from the Biden-Harris administration. It states this, and I'm quoting. The Biden-Harris administration, this was in uh, December of 2021, the Biden-Harris administration is committed to safe, orderly, and humane migration around the world, including the United States. How does that sound on our southern border? Well, wait till you hear the next article I'm going to go through. In In the very first days of the administration, through a series of migration and protection focused executive orders, President Biden established the framework for the United States, here it is everybody, to recommit to work collaboratively with governments, civil societies, international organizations, and other partners to support humane migration, address the root causes of irregular migration, collaboratively manage migration in the regions, rebuild the U.S. refugee admissions programs, and other legal pathways for protection of migration, restore faith in the United States immigration system. So has he restored faith in the U.S. immigration system in your eyes? Well, I know for Texas... New Mexico, Arizona, Southern California, the answer would be no. And it goes on to say, and we will include and integrate new U.S. citizens into civic life, protect children, uh, migrants, and support family unity. And it says this, it is in this spirit that the United States is pleased to announce our endorsement of the vision contained in the Global Compact for safe, orderly, and regular migration. The GCM, or the Global Compact on Migration, folks. Totally compliant with that. You understand? You want to know why don't we protect our southern border? It's because the United Nations doesn't want us to, and we've got a globalist administration in our White House. I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began the ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Robbins. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. End Time is a small nonprofit that runs a high-traffic website, a daily TV and radio show, the Prophecy College in Jerusalem, and more. Although we have less than 30 team members, we are able to serve tens of millions of people each month. 
We survive on the goodness of God and donations averaging about $50. If everyone hearing this message gave $22, our financial needs would be met for the year. If you only give to one cause per month, please consider partnering with End Time to help get the message of our soon coming King out to the world. Call us at 1-800-END-TIME to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner. So the question then becomes, what happens when you don't protect your southern border? I mean, basically throwing wide open the border of the most prosperous, freest nation on the planet. Everybody's going to try to get in, right? I mean, you get exactly what the Trump administration was trying to protect us from by withdrawing from the Global Compact on Migration. They saw what was coming if we just threw our borders wide open. So what have we got? Well, Fox News reports that the UN migra- a new UN migration study has found that the U.S.-Mexico border is the deadliest land route in the world based on 2021 numbers. Border Patrol agents have encountered record numbers of of migrants in recent years. A new study has labeled the border crossing between the United States and Mexico the deadliest migration land route in the world. Not Russia and Ukraine or Iran or any of these, or, or South America or Africa. No. The United States and Mexico. The study conducted by the Missing Migrants Project and published by the International Organization of Migration, recorded at least 1,238 deaths during migration in the Americas in 2021, and at least 728 of those deaths occurring on the U.S.-Mexico border. The number of deaths on the United States-Mexico border last year is significantly higher than any year prior, even before COVID-19. And yet this number remains an undercount due to the diverse challenges for data collection. The dangers of the crossing made headlines last week after the discovery of, you remember the tractor trailer in San Antonio where uh, it contained 46 migrants who died and 16, 16 who had to be taken to the hospital immediately. And some of those taken to the hospital died shortly after they got there. So, Border Patrol officers have encountered record numbers of migrants trying to cross the southern border during the past year with 2,000, or I'm sorry, 239,416 recorded last month. Not last year, last month. And 235,478 the month before that. So what's that? That's over, uh, that's over half a million in the last two months. Or close to half a million in the last two months, folks. The numbers have continued to grow and the number of deaths has increased as well. The missing migrants projects recorded 854 deaths in 2019 and 798 deaths in 2020, making the 2021 figure a startling jump. But folks, I don't care if one person dies, that's too many. 
I mean, you're talking about a life. Some human being died. But yet this is a horrible mess down on our southern border that could be corrected. Or it could be huge, I mean, reduced big time. But the, the, the project stresses that even these numbers do not capture the entire picture due to a lack of official sources to collect data, meaning that the study's figures represent a significant undercount. So that's what you get, folks, when you're going to throw your borders wide open. When you protect your borders and let people come in legally and that are vetted, that stuff goes away. At least a big majority of it does. But when you're talking about America, the most prosperous nation on the planet, and and then people want to bring in drugs, sex trafficking, all these gangs come in, and they know they can walk right across the border, what do you think they're going to do? But yet we can't get our the current administration to, to protect the border. They could protect it tomorrow morning if they wanted to. We've got the mightiest military on the planet. And we're protecting other people's borders, but we won't protect our own. Why? Because it's that internal struggle here in America between globalism and nationalism. Protecting our own borders. The most, it's the most critical political debate of our time. Yes, there is abortion and there's many different things. But if you don't have a country, none of the rest of it matters. And so, yeah, that's right, believe it or not, this conflict is playing a major role right now in the fulfilling of the prophecies of the end time. Globalism. It's the belief that the nation-state structure of our world is obsolete. And nations should eliminate their borders through globalization and ultimately resulting in a one-world government. That's globalism. Nationalism is the belief that the world should consist of nation-states organized around language, uh, a common culture, similar values. And nationalists are opposed to globalism, knowing globalism will ultimately require the surrender of their national sovereignty. That's the internal struggle in America right now. Yes, it is um, trying to turn back our, to have spiritual revival, turn back to God, the, get, get our moral compass back. But as far uh, on, the, on the other side of that, or, or I should say along with that, this internal struggle that we feel on a global level is nationalism against globalism. I want to explain to you the origin of globalism. It's, it's not a new concept. It has its roots in the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. The incident recorded um, that I'm going to share happened shortly after Noah's flood. God had told the survivors of the flood to multiply and replenish the earth. But instead, in Genesis 11, 1 through 4, it tells the story of what happened. The Bible says, And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass, as they journeyed from the east, that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. Everybody. And they said one to another, Hey, go, 
uh, go to let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime and they had mortar. And they said, go to let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto the heaven. And let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. So the people feared that there would be another flood. And even though God had given the, the rainbow as a covenant that He would never destroy the earth again, by the, the world by water, not believing God's word, the people decided that they should build their own plan of salvation. They decided to build a tower to reach into the heaven so they could run up the tower and be saved if there was another flood. This was really the origin of man-made religion, them creating their own plan of salvation. In Genesis 11, 5 through 9, God, we learn God's reaction to their plan. Didn't like it, did he? Bible says, And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one. And they all have one language. And this they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. Go to. Let us go down and there confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered the men abroad and from thence upon the face of all the earth. And therefore it is the name... um, is the name of the Lord, therefore is the name of it called Babel. It was the Tower of Babel because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. Now this incident was the beginning of the different nations and different languages all around the world. And from that time until today, World leaders have dreamed of bringing the nations together and adopting a common language through globalism. Folks, God does not want that. He wants us scattered abroad, different nations, not depending upon ourselves, which is a world government, a humanistic solution, but to depend upon Him. It's prophesied in the Bible that a world government is going to be formed in the times just ahead. This is happening right now under the effort called globalism and globalization. And one prophecy foretelling the world government for the times just ahead is found in uh, Daniel 7.23. It says, Thus he said, The fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon the earth, which shall be diverse from all the kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, and shall tread it down and break it in pieces. Most of the time when world government has been attempted, the leader has tried to force everyone in his government to adopt the same religious beliefs. And remember when Nebuchadnezzar had the big image and he said, everybody, when I play the music, you're going to bow. And the children of Israel were expected to bow, even though they didn't agree with that. So the three Hebrew children stood up, remember? So the leader of this last day world government, it's going to do the same thing. And he's going to attempt to force religion, religious conformity 
And it's described in Daniel 7, 21-22. Daniel said, I beheld, and the same horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them until the Ancient of Days came, and the judgment was given to the saints of the Most High, and the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. Notice that the world government, referring to in, that, in the passage I, I just went through, will rule until the Ancient of Days comes, until Jesus Christ comes back. The leader of the final world government is referred to in Scripture as the beast or the Antichrist. Verse 21 clearly foretells the Antichrist will make war with the saints, and this will be a war against Jews and true Christians who will not pledge allegiance to his world government beliefs and requirements. So it's interesting that the, the same exact thing is prophesied in the New Testament, Revelation 13, 1 and 2. John said, I, saw this, I stood up on the sand of the sea, a beast rising up out of the earth, having seven heads and ten horns, upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, feet as the feet of a bear, mouth the mouth of the lion. The dragon, or Satan, gave it its seat, power, and its great authority. So, what we see here is that the last world governing body prophesied in Daniel 7 and Revelation 13, it's driven by Satan, the dragon, Revelation 13 too. And so what are we seeing in the earth today? It's the same thing. They're creating a world governing body and they're trying to get everybody to come under one belief system. That's why they've got to change the belief system of our our nationalistic belief system here in America to get everybody scared to want to yield up our sovereignty to this one world governing body. It's It's the same story over and over and over. The Babylonians, the Medes and the Persians, the Grecians, the Romans, and now the revived Holy Roman Empire, the world government. And that's where we're at. They're trying to change our nationalistic mindset to a globalistic mindset. So we'll yield up our sovereignty and become part of a world governing body. That is the prophesied internal struggle going on in America, playing out in our news every day. This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries, or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463, or visit us online at endtime.com. 